Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. Thank you, Angelica. Good afternoon, everyone. So starting uh, in June, uh, I, I had been doing a lot of webinars. Uh, some of you have been on those past webinars. But then in June, I kind of switched it to doing some LinkedIn Live. And you know, I'm always about change, okay? So I thought, you know what? I think it's time to kind of switch it up again and go back to uh, doing a webinar. And um, I thought about this topic about you know, removing the corporate mask, five tips to be uh, our authentic self. And I think it is very, very um, timely, uh, this talk. Uh, I think it's always been something that we've struggled with. I know myself as a, a, a Latino, as a minority, my major in college was Chicano studies. And I remember one day um, the professor signing whatever some reading and it was about how um, uh, as Latinos we wear this mask and that the minute we walk out the door and go to our job we put on the mask that corporate America white America you know deems is appropriate and we go live do our work you know and all that type of stuff and then we come home and we take off the mask and you know now we're in my case making carnitas, you know, going to like I did in February, you know, to celebrate my brother's birthday over there. And we cut a pig, you know, and all that type of stuff. Had fun and turned my uncle's uh, front of the house, the street into the dance floor. And we danced until, you know, uh, late into the night. And, and I realized that this wearing this corporate mask is not unique to just us Latinos. It's different ethnicities, um, gender, age, uh, it's just across the board. And so again, today I'm going to be talking about uh, giving you some tips on some ways that we can just be more ourselves. So uh, like Angelica said, um, go ahead and send your questions via the chat. I will definitely leave plenty of time at the end to answer, uh, answer any questions. And then, of course, I'm also going to give you my contact information. So you can uh, email me. You can even text me. You can even connect with me on LinkedIn, et cetera. I am, like, very, very accessible. All right. So why do we wear a mask? There are many reasons. Okay, I just highlighted some of them. But I'm going to give you uh, some reasons why I believe um, some of us wear a mask. So... Number one, and in no particular order, um, is because we want to protect ourselves. What do I mean by that? I'll use myself as an example. When I was in fifth grade, uh, my dad in Mexico was a butcher, and one day he just came home and he's like, hey, you know, we're going to start going to the slaughterhouses, Morgan Hill, Gilroy, um, uh, 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 Half Moon Bay, and we started every weekend uh, Slaughtering a pig, cow, goat, selling fresh, fresh meat, totally illegal, and no health permit. And all of a sudden, I just disappeared on the weekends from my friends uh, and started helping out uh, in the family business. And that's a picture. That's my dad, my little brother in the middle, and then me on, on the right. 
I was totally mortified, embarrassed to tell my friends that I was doing this now on the weekends because, right, they would have been grossed out. Some of you are grossed out just looking at this picture. And, you know, I just, I just made up stuff, you know, I'm just busy or I'm just whatever it is, you know, with family. And the truth is I was protecting myself. I was wearing this mask on Monday morning in middle school and high school and college and beyond. I'm not letting my friends know really what it is that I was doing. Only, I would only let in a certain, you know, uh, group of people into knowing really what it is that, that was going on. And again, for me, it was because I was protecting myself from um, being shamed, ridiculed, etc. And some of you fall into this situation uh, as well. Stuff is going on at home and so you got to protect yourself. And I get it. I understand that, folks. The other reason why I feel that some of us wear a mask is because we get into this comparison game. And social media, there is pluses in minuses with social media. But oftentimes, and there's been research that's been done uh, about this, where oftentimes we play this comparison game on social media, right? The guys showing their six pack, you know, their chiseled body or whatever, or, you know, you know folks uh, sharing all that bling or, you know, the vacations, or the one that I see a lot, and it just cracks me up, is these entrepreneurs that are like traveling the world. And because Wi-Fi is, you know, a everywhere uh, that, they're living just their dream and all this. And can I tell you something? I mean, listen, I, I, I'm doing this from my living room, okay? And, and I, you know, thank God that I do have a business where all I need is just Wi-Fi. But the fact of the matter is, the reality is I'm busting my rear end in order to get to where it is that I'm at. And that's oftentimes what we don't see. We just see all the, the, the glamour, the bling. Or, you know, the young gals that they're just showcasing all, you know, the fun time. You can't really do it right now because COVID, right? No, no clubbing or anything like that. But all they're doing is putting all the, you know, the, the, the good pictures, you know, and the, the right angle from this side, you know, the height so that make you, you look skinny, et cetera. And so we look at these pictures and we're like, why can't I live like that? Why, why isn't my family as happy uh, as, uh, as, you know, so-and-so's family? And I'm going to tell you something too, okay? I know the truth about some of my family members behind closed doors. They can't wait till their kids turn 18 so they can get a divorce. That's the truth, folks. But no one's going to say that. Fitting in. Here's another reason, right? Fitting in. Maybe because we want to belong to a certain organization, certain clubs, so we have to fit into that mold, okay? One of the things for me, looking back, like when I was in high school, I told you in middle school that I struggled, right, with letting my friends know what it is that I really was doing on the weekends. And so all of a sudden, back, back in, the, in, the, uh, in the 80s, uh, the whole preppy thing in my high school. So what did I try to do? I tried to fit in with all the white kids, okay, dressing like, uh, like a preppy, uh, buying the polo shirts, you know, the Yves Saint Laurent uh, belts and the uh, vans, you know, or the topsiders, all that type of stuff to try to fit in. And the thing is, folks, fitting in, it's not just, yes, oftentimes we see it with young folks, but the truth of the matter is I see 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds trying to fit in with the Joneses or being Latino trying to fit in with the Ramirez's. Here's another one, another reason why, career advancement. This is something that I heard just recently from uh, someone. They're like, well, Oscar, you know, in order for me to move up in the corporate ladder, yeah, I don't like certain things, but I gotta pay, pay, uh, play the, the, the politics. You know what, that's true, you're right. 
there are certain politics, right? And in every organization, some of them it's more deeply embedded, others it's less. And there are certain rules, certain things that you need to. But the truth of the matter is, folks, what I realized, we don't have to play any politics. It's our choice. And the reason why I played politics before was because I needed that damn paycheck. That's the truth. But, the, but it's not because I had to. They didn't have a gun to my head saying, Oscar, you need to be like this. or certain. No, because I could have chosen to leave that organization. In fact, actually, there was a company, a small uh, uh, manufacturing consulting company that I left and then I ended up coming back. Great organization when I first left it, which hence what, one of the reasons why I ended up coming back. And the second time, it had changed, not in day. And I remember writing my letter uh, of resignation and highlighting some of the cultural changes, leadership changes, things that I didn't like. And one of the sales guys who I showed it to, who I respect to this day, and at the time considered my mentor, he's like, Oscar, don't send that, you know, because that's going to like ruin your career, you know, they're going to say stuff about you. And I, and I thought to myself, but this is how I really feel. Like, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just tired of playing this game and I don't like the, the direction that the company is, has changed. And so, yeah, part of this reason is, like I said, we wear this mask because we are trying to climb that corporate ladder. Here's another one, cultural expectations. Within Latino culture, oh my gosh, this is huge. And I saw this with uh, my sisters. My dad had two standards, one for us uh, boys and the other for my sisters. And when my sisters are, are older than me, and I remember I used to have to accompany my sisters whenever they wanted to go out because I was my dad's eyes to make sure that they didn't have a boyfriend, that didn't you know, stop and talk around to anyone. And us guys, hey, we could do whatever the heck it is that we wanted. I don't agree with that, okay? But sometimes we have to wear again that mask. For me personally, the other where I saw in terms of that cultural expectation is my sisters, they're from my dad's side of the family. And like I said, my, my, and my half siblings are older than me. And it's kind of interesting dynamic in, in, in my family because I'm the old, I have a younger brother and from same mom and dad. And in a sense, it's kind of like that's how we grew up because we weren't close to my half siblings. And so as the oldest sibling, my or son, excuse me, in my case, I took on early on that role of playing the dual child and parent. And some of you that have immigrant parents can relate to what I'm talking about. Because in my case, the minute I learned how to speak English, which was in kindergarten, I became my parents' translator until they passed away. And I remember too, my younger brother sometimes getting in trouble and guess who they called and would ask, for advice or recommendation, me. Hey, Oscar, your brother, you know, my, my brother was in high school. Uh, I think it was a sophomore year and he wanted to go into the Marines. Hey, Oscar, what do you think? Should, should your brother go into the Marines? And, and I'm like, no, I don't think he should go. And you know what? My parents made that decision to not allow my brother to go into the Marines because of the fact that I said it. That's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure in playing that dual role and that expectation, that mask that I had to put on that at times I had to be the parent to my parents, but then I also had to be the son. So I wanna give you five tips, folks, to be your authentic self because I'm gonna tell you something too. It is freaking exhausting to not be yourself, okay? It is exhausting to be wearing that mask, okay? Emotionally exhausting. 
So number one, or I'm going to go in this order, number five, and then I'll go to number one, okay? Number five, okay? One thing that you can do, folks, is accept that we are all imperfect. And I'm going to tell you, some of you have your cameras on, and I have already noticed some of your imperfections. And you have noticed some of my imperfections as well, right? Like, we're all imperfect. Even a rose is imperfect. Don't roses have thorns? Yes. Yet, what do we do? That is one of the flowers that we give to someone as a show of love, of appreciation, of thoughtfulness. Think about that idea, folks. We are giving someone a piece of vegetation that is imperfect, that has thorns. So accept your imperfections, folks. Number two, or number four, excuse me, is think about what you would say to your older self. Some of you are young and you're like, forget it, I can't even think that. Because, hey, listen, I was like that too, right? I, was, I felt I was invis invincible. But I'm going to tell you a story, okay, that really, really hit home for me. So first my dad passed away. Five months, or excuse me, four months later, um, my mom passed away. And um, what happened was my uh, mom was in the hospital. She was, had a lot of ailments and uh, she was in the hospital and while she was in the hospital of course you know they do all these tests and so forth and come to find out that my mom had stage four pancreatic cancer and like i told you being the translator be the, the you know the head of the family the doctor calls me up and he gives me the news and he invites my brother and i to the hospital to just confirm and let us know what you know possible treatment so my brother and i show up to the hospital sure enough we see the x-rays these giant white spots, uh, the cancerous tumors that have mastocized. And, if, and so I remember asking the doctor, what do you recommend? And he said, it's stage four, given your mom's condition, other ailments. She was on dialysis, diabetic, and et cetera, and so forth. He's like, I don't recommend any treatment because it's just going to you know, end her life even a lot sooner. She has six months to live. And I'm like, crap right? My brother and I are bawling. And the doctor says, do you want to go in there and tell her? Or do you want me to go in there? I didn't have the balls, guys. And I'm going to be honest with you. I did not have the balls to go in there and just tell my mom myself. So I said, doc, let's go in there. We're in there. And I'm translated for my mother, everything that the doctor is saying. And when I told my mother that she had stage four pancreatic cancer, my mom's obvious response was, what does the doctor recommend? I knew the answer, but I didn't have the guts to tell her. And so I translated that to the doctor that the doctor could translate it back. And I could tell my mother that there was no hope. Okay. And that moment it hit me and I realized, wow, if I was in my mother's situation where I had six months to live, do I give a rip what my aunt, what my brother, what my kids, what my friends, what, what my job, whatever it is, hell no. Hell no. What would I say to myself, right? And that's when it hit me, folks. It's like your older self. And I share that with you because I'm going to tell you something. You, we are either going to make a decision and reflect based on the experiences of others or life is going to hit us smack right in the forehead and knock us to our knees and then we're going to understand. I personally would rather learn from the mistakes of others then have God come down and slap the heck out of me.
I realized that in order to be true, you know, in that older self, that it's also important that we establish what I refer to as our true north. Our true north becomes our compass, our guiding point as to why we do what we do. When opportunities present ourselves, when our friends say, hey, do you want to go hang out, you know, and, and, you know, party or, hey, do you want to go do this or do you want to go off to school and get your PhD or whatever it is that you want to do, take this job. Your true north is that compass that keeps you on track. And for me personally, when I boil it down to its lowest common denominator, my true north are three things of why I do what I do and why I'm doing this webinar for free. Number one, I love helping other people dream bigger. Number two, I love inspiring other people. And number three, I love helping or serving other people. That's it. Plain and simple. Okay. I'm not going to complicate life. I'm just going to keep it very simple. Dream, inspire, and serve. I've had, I've been blessed. Over the last, Angelica and I have been working our asses off, doing a ton of webinars, doing a lot of things. And we've been blessed over the last six weeks of new opportunities coming from all different types. And guess what? I measure those opportunities based on these three things. And it's so much easier to make a decision to say, nope, I'm not going to do that. Or yes, let's talk about that. What's that mean about having your true north? Number three, folks, look for fertilizer. Okay. Fertilizer, right? It's manure. Okay. We got to look for fertilizer. Let me share something with you here really quickly. See folks, I did miss out on my, on my childhood. Okay. Um, when I was 11 years old, like I told you, my dad uh, started, my parents started selling meat. Uh, I know you can't really see it, but I have a scar on my right hand. That's because I cut my hand on the meat saw. And I was playing my last year in Little League Baseball. And those of you that have played sports, you know that, you know, when you are in your last year of whatever, you know, team or level, that's typically when you are like the best uh, uh, player on, on the team. And that was certainly my case. And all of a sudden, like, I think I only played one or two games and cut my hand, I almost cut my fingers off. Okay. I was almost doing this. Okay. I ended up like this. And, and yeah, it sucked missing out on a lot of my childhood. But today, when I look back at my childhood, I realized that there was many positive things that I learned. And one of them is not feeling entitled. I worked my rear end off. Folks, there are, I'm 51 years old. There are 50 plus year old folks, my peers, who because of this pandemic have just rolled over and wet on themselves because they don't know what to do. And you know what? One thing that I learned from my parents, when they were up against, you know what? I saw them struggle and work their way out of that situation. I learned how to just appreciate and value things and not take things for granted. We all go through crap, folks, in life. Crap stinks, but it's also fertilizer. How we choose to react to the circumstances that we've been through is our choice. And this is what I mean by in terms of looking for fertilizer. In every negative situation, there's a seed of equal or greater benefit. Number two, lead with your heart. Lead with your heart. 
I remember um, at Berkeley, um, at the time I went to UC Berkeley and there was a lot of homeless people on campus and I just got desensitized to homelessness. I would come home uh, to Mountain View and go to Walgreens to go pick up my parents' prescriptions and all that type of stuff and I would see a homeless person out in front of the store and you know, como si nada, like nothing, right? And I just walked past the person, hey, can you know, can you speak? No. And I remember my friends and then me kind of rationalizing and saying, yeah, you know, that's true. They would say, no, Oscar, don't give that homeless person any money because they're probably going to buy alcohol, cigarettes, or drugs, and you don't want to enable them. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. That's right. And it kind of made like logical sense. Well, fast forward about a year or two after I graduated from Berkeley, I'm working in downtown San Jose, right by the Fairmont, that high-rise building that's there where the Capitol Club is. And I'm coming back from lunch, walking through the courtyard, and a homeless person comes up and he says, excuse me, sir, can you spare some change? And without any hesitation, I reached into my wallet and I pulled out, I don't even remember how much it is that I gave him. And I gave him the money. And, and he said, thank you. And I walked away and I realized like, wow, I didn't even think twice about giving him uh, some money. Why? Because who am I to judge what that person's going to do with my gift? Thank God people didn't judge my family, didn't judge me or haven't judged me for the help that they have given me. Give unconditionally, folks. Yes, there are going to be times where people are going to take advantage. I know that. And yes, it's going to hurt. But so what? Still keep on giving. Some of us say, you know, oh, karma's the B word. That's not true. Karma's whatever you put out. And if karma's being the B word, maybe you need to look in the mirror because maybe you're being the B word. Change. And then lastly, folks, number one, and I left this for, at the end because this is the hardest is about embracing our vulnerability, who we are. This picture here is so appropriate because right as a baby, they're the most vulnerable creature, right? And it's embracing that, us embracing our, our vulnerability and, and allowing other people inside of us. My very first article that I wrote on LinkedIn, yes, this professional platform, right? The most of you treat it like a stuffy platform, right? And all you do is just post your, your silly, stuffy content. Okay, all business like, okay, is I wrote an article titled I Am a Minority. And the article is a little bit about my immigrant story, but it's really where I, I all my life, and like some of you can relate to this too. My, the word minority has a negative connotation. And same thing, all my life, Oscar, you know, Latinos uh, don't graduate from high school. Oscar, Latinos don't go to college, much less Berkeley. Oh, Oscar, this, uh, you know, minority this, minority this. And I kept thinking, it's like, what? Like, what? like a negative connotation, right? Like this, sort of like this, another anchor on me. And, I, and as I got older, I realized, like, wait a minute. Okay, because I've been in the private sector, right? And business world, I'm like, wait a minute. In the business world, Companies want to differentiate themselves in order to excel. Anyone that a valedictorian, how many valedictorians are there in a, in a, in a, in a school? How many people, uh, athletes win a gold medal? I'm like, a very small number, meaning a minority. And I started really thinking, I'm like, actually, the word minority is a very powerful word. That's mean just a small group of people, anyone that has accomplished anything of significance is a minority. And that's what this article is about. It's about taking and flipping that word minority and more as a powerful 
way. And this article has been the foundation to my trainings and really what I teach and help other people to do. It's really about looking at uh, being a minority and realizing that vulnerability is not a weakness, it is actually a strength. Here's some steps to help you embrace your vulnerability. Number one, like I told you earlier already, acknowledge your imperfections, folks, okay? Like quit putting on makeup just to get on a Zoom call. Number next, embark yourself on a personal growth and development program. This, when people say, Oscar, how can you become uh, a, 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 an international speaker if you're an introvert? This, by reading positive stuff, by not binge watching on Netflix, by not binge watching on HBO back in the day, by not, you know, all this stupid stuff that some of the people do. Now, listen, when I say stupid, doesn't mean that I don't have fun, okay? Because the weekend's coming, okay? And I, my hangover isn't going to be over until Sunday around 3 p.m., okay? Because I know how to have fun, okay? But the thing is, is that I'm not also not dumb, folks, okay? I know how to protect my mind. I know who to hang out with. And I'm very selective in who I hang out with because there's a lot of people that have emotional colds that I do not want to catch or emotional cold. Serve others. One of the things, okay, that I uh, encourage you to, when, even when you are going through challenges, take your eyes off yourself, place it in the, on the needs of others. Sometimes we realize when we're helping others and we self-reflect that our situation is really not as bad as we think. Earlier, a friend of mine was texting me about her boyfriend going in for heart surgery. The guy is a lot younger than me, and I'm like, oh my God. Gosh, I mean, any surgery right now, given the circumstances, that's horrible. Like, right? Like, be always helping other people, folks. Number two, find a mentor. Don't complicate, first of all, finding a mentor. Some people say, well, how do I find a mentor? Just be a friend. Just be a friend. Don't, like, I do not encourage you to go up to someone and be like, hey, do you want to be my mentor? Because if someone said that to me, that to me is like, a, means a huge commitment. But just being a friend and letting that relationship just organically grow, that is fine. I've had situations just recently getting together uh, with some folks, just casually, just as a, as a friend, just, you know, hey, what can you do? What can I do? Help you support? That's it. Where that relationship goes, let it flow naturally. And then lastly is if there's one thing that I wish that I could have changed a lot earlier in my life was to believe in myself because if I believed myself much younger uh, age, I would be able to accomplish so much more. This folks is the reason why some of you don't post on LinkedIn. This is the reason why some of you wear that mask. Okay. This is the reason why some of you, as we call it in Spanish, have a la guante. You put up with BS at work situations, okay? Because you don't believe in yourself that you can go find another opportunity, et cetera, and so forth. Now, the benefit of being authentic, folk, uh, uh, is first of all, when we are authentic, we earn people's trust, we earn credibility, and that trust leads to genuine relationships. This is really sums up the whole thing that I teach about building and nourishing relationships. And it works whether you do it the traditional way, face-to-face, -face, or even online, that you can be authentic and whether it's the content that you share or 
you know, personally, when you get on a phone call with someone or, you know, one of the things that I actually like to do that I like is Zoom calls because Zoom calls, it's, 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 a, it's a virtual way to, right, get to see someone versus just calling someone. And it's just, it's just a different experience when you're seeing each other, all right? But again, when you lead with your authenticity, with that vulnerability, you build that trust and you ultimate, it ultimately leads to genuine relationships. So folks, I'm going to give you a couple more things, but obviously let me know, let us know if this webinar has been uh, helpful. Um, I do uh, do some other talks like seminars, uh, some keynotes, and also some workshops. So if, you know, if your organization does need any of these type of trainings, I mean, definitely connect with me and happy to, to uh, talk uh, more detail. But I want to give you, leave you with this final takeaway and then open it up to some questions. And um, here are some steps to help you with, uh, to be uh, authentic. Number one, folks, all of us has a story. Value your story. Sometimes I hear from people that say, oh, you know, but, but Oscar, I'm not the only person that has gone through whatever that situation is. It doesn't matter. Listen, I'm not the only minority. I'm not the only Latino that went to Berkeley. Okay. I'm not the only one whose parents, you know, did what they did. You know, I know some people that you know, when they were younger, they worked at the flea market and they were also embarrassed, but they don't value their story. They don't share it. I'm not going to be able to relate to all of you folks that I know. And I'm okay with that. Some of you will be able to relate to other people, but as we say in Spanish, Poner nuestro granito de arena, just put your little grain of salt. And ultimately, if we all put a little grain of salt, we're going to create that nice, beautiful, pristine beach. Identify your values, folks. Okay. Identify what is important, that true north that I mentioned uh, uh, earlier. Be valiant, be brave, be bold, be willing to put yourself out there. You be willing to first let your guard down and be vulnerable. Also, Invest in yourself. I told you earlier about personal growth and development. You know, one of the nice things about uh, today is, is that you actually don't even have to spend any money doing uh, a lot of the training. You can just go onto YouTube. You can listen to some podcasts, etc. There's some awesome content that's out there, but you're investing in yourself. Be resilient. This is, listen, we're all going to get knocked down. I've been knocked down a gazillion times, but get yourself back up. Be mindful, right? Be aware of other people, uh, this, your situation, yourself, that self-awareness of other people's feelings, et cetera. Be inclusive. I it, do not profess that I have all the answers. Absolutely not. I'm open-minded to receive input from other people, other views, et cetera. Again, I mentioned about being vulnerable. Have that inner peace. Folks, if it, listen, we all screwed up. I have screwed up a gazillion times, right? Have that grace, that forgiveness for yourself. Extend that forgiveness to others. Make sure that you have that discipline as well to stay focused on track. And then lastly, always be willing to aspire. Don't settle, folks. I don't care if you are 19 years old or if you are 60 years old or whatever, but always be aspiring. And then, listen, if you're having trouble, like dreaming bigger, one of the things that I recommend that you do is maybe find a different group of 
friends that you're associating with that are willing to challenge yourself, okay? Uh, Spire. And this, okay, is actually, I love this, okay, because it comes down to what good old Mark Anthony, you know, said, it, and that is, and that is just saying, you know, live our life. Be and be that, folks. That's why I chose this, okay? Because like I told you earlier, I don't give a damn what any of you think. I love and respect all of you, but I'm gonna live my life, period, okay? So there's my contact information, folks. Um, and, uh, you know, you follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, my phone number, you can even text me on that number, email me, uh, website, like I said, connect with me on LinkedIn. But uh, let me open it up <clears throat> to some questions right now. Do we have any questions? Oh, you always surprise me. You never know how I these presentations are going what, What's that? Sorry. I said, you always surprise me. I never know how these presentations are going to end. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, everyone, if you have any questions, please feel free to type them in the chat. Um, I actually, for once, I actually have a question myself. I know that um, during COVID right now, it's given a lot of people, I especially have some friends, a period of reflection, especially in what you're doing with your job, your career. And I've had a few where they've actually kind of had that mask, like, oh my goodness, I'm in a job. I've been wearing this mask. Uh, how do I find, I'm kind of figuring out my true north. What advice do you have for people who kind of realize that this company is no longer in sync with them and they're ready to kind of transition out? Like what? Yeah, that, yeah. so first of all, I, I am of the, the, the belief that leave, leave an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, don't stick around. Now, obviously other factors that come in finances you know it's uh, don't don't do it irresponsibly okay yeah uh, you know you got to be uh, um that's not what i'm saying but like i remember when i transitioned from the chamber and i went uh, to do a one-year contract at linkedin um i um I, I took a job uh at a tech company kind of doing what i used to do back in tech uh sales thinking that, wow, you know, I, I used to do it before. I, I can do it. I think I like it. I do want to get back into tech. It's higher paying money, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. And I didn't do some of the things that I today I teach, and that is look at the company culture. And within six, less than six weeks, okay, uh, I realized like, oh my gosh, this is not the right company for me. And I left six, six weeks into that position. And I have no regrets because I ended up going to go work at LinkedIn, which turned out to be way better fit for me and an amazing opportunity. So yeah, leave, but do it in a way where you are being uh, responsible uh, in that uh, in leaving. Thank you. We do have a question here from Dora. She's asking, particularly in interviews, how do you balance the effort to impress others, perhaps being extra nice, uh, with, while being your authentic self? Dora, that's a that's a great question, and um, so. One of the things that I share with people, like some career advice, is, is that first of all, um, make a target list of companies that you really want to go, uh, want to work at. Uh, and you've done your research, everything from the, co the company culture to obviously growth opportunities, et cetera, and so forth. I mean, you, you create your criteria. L let me say it this way. Think of it as dating. You put together your list of the qualities that you want in an individual, 
and do the same thing, the qualities that you are looking for in a company. And when you are interviewing, I don't recommend that you look to impress. Like, I don't think, okay, you know, necessarily like long-term, I know impress, I get it. I know what we're talking about, but I'm, that's not that what I'm talking about here. When we go out on a first date, I don't think the goal is to like always be impressing the person. It's just, right, ultimately like be yourself and see if there's these values, mm -hmm. this chemistry, okay? And so don't look to impress people at the coming look for a match in your values and, and some of the other things, the criteria that you have. Because um, think about this, when, think of the last time you met someone for the first time and like maybe you were initially gonna speak for just 10, 15 minutes and then all of a sudden 45 minutes go by, an hour, 90 minutes. You're like, oh my gosh, like time just went by super, fun. wow. It is because you, there was a connection, there was a chemistry. And so when you are interviewing, people are going to be able to pick up on that from you. And you're also going to pick up on that as well. And if you have that inner piece that I mentioned earlier, I think you're going to be on the right track with that opportunity. Thank you for that answer. We have another question here from Christina. She's asking, how do you balance your true north with your financial goals? Yeah, so, <clears throat> so here, here, Here's the thing is, is that um, sometimes, uh, uh, Christina, is, is it Christina who answered the question? Okay, thank you. So Christina, sometimes, um, so I, and again, I'm gonna use myself as an example. So March 16th, when we went into shelter in place um, at, with, with my company, I do consulting and then the training. The training business got wiped out, right? Like. Some, some of my clients are like, oh, we're going to reschedule. Well, I'm still waiting for them to reschedule, okay? <laughs> and and, uh, and, and I, I was scared financially because I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, right, I have rent, bills, et cetera, you know, to pay. I, honestly, got truth because I still get the alerts. I went to TJ Maxx and I applied at TJ Maxx in the stock room. Why? Because I said to myself, you know what? I don't give a rip if I'm whatever it is. I just need some money to coming in here. And that's and, – and I just need – in my case, a job that is not going to consume my mental energy, my creativity, so that I can then come back after hours and still continue to work on my business. Now, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to do that. And I share this story with you because, you know, being your authentic self, it comes down to, again, that foundation of what your values are and doing it, following your values, doing it in a way where it makes sense for you or your family, if, you know, if you're married or if you have kids, but not caring, because I didn't care what other people, if other people saw me busting open boxes or whatever, I didn't, because again, they don't pay my bills, okay? Yeah. And so I want you to think about that and what I just uh, shared. Awesome, thank you for that. If you have any other questions, please feel free to type them in the chat. Otherwise, we'll just give it, a minute here just to see if there's any last minute questions. Oh, we have a comment here from someone saying, I have many colleagues who have been laid off all from one organization's big layoff. It's been two months. I can sense they're losing spirit a little bit. They are smart folks and they know they shouldn't lose hope, but what, what can I do to inspire them again? Yeah, no, um, the best, thing that you can do to inspire other people is by you 
moving forward and overcoming some of the obstacles. People are watching you. I know people are watching me. I know relatives are watching me. They, they are, you know, they don't, show, you know, they don't come to or attend my webinars or whatever, but I know they're watching me. Okay. I know other people are watching me as well. They're just silent observers. That's fine. Nothing wrong. But the best way, again, to inspire these people is by you showing them how to overcome some of these challenges yourself. Um, think about this. Think of someone you highly admire and you respect, and they tell you their story of this is a challenge that I went through. This is um, how I overcame the challenge. And this is the lesson that I learned. That right there alone, it really creates a lot of inspiration for us and it breaks things down because I know some people where I'm like, wow, I had no idea they went through that. Oh, what, this person? Because I had, I had them at such high pedestal and then they became, they, they were vulnerable sharing the story and it gives me hope and inspires. I'm like, damn, that person can do it. I'm definitely. And the last thing too, I'm going to tell you something, okay? The last people that you're going to inspire are going to be the people that are closest to you because they know the good, the bad, and the ugly of Oscar Garcia. But again, as long as I keep moving forward, one day they're going to come around and be like, damn, Oscar, I can't believe it. That's my brother. My brother is a cop, okay? My brother almost got kicked out of high school because he beat someone up, took a knife, okay, and tatted up all the stuff. And he became a police officer in, the old, in, in our own city where he got almost kicked out, got arrested. He used to use my name. I remember one time I got pulled over and like, Oscar, you have some outstanding warrant. I'm like, for what? Like, and it was my brother. And, and when he became a cop, some of the people in our community are like, how in the hell did you become a cop, man? Because I know your damn story. Well, you know what? My dad, my brother is a damn good cop because he has a lot of empathy and he can relate to a lot of the people that are screw ups, quote unquote. <laughs>